Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. So, uh, hi, Madhav uh, Janapa. Uh, thanks very much for um, going on the Press Gazette Journalism Matters podcast. We're here at um, One St Giles, which is just off Shaftesbury Avenue, central London. Well, the, the, the smaller of Google's two big London offices, I think. This, this is quite impressive, though, four stories, four stories here. Uh, and you're the director of... Well, you tell me what your title is, and it's just changed. Yes, it? it's uh, Director of News Partnerships for uh, Europe, Middle East and Africa for Google. You've been doing that sort of for a few years now, haven't you? Good. Yeah, it's been about three years. We just had a little reorganisation, hence the change of title. But, um, you know, yes, essentially the same job for the last three years or so. Basically, as I understand it, you spend a lot of time talking to publishers, uh, helping them make better use of Google and Google products and so on. Is that right? Yeah, um, I, I work in a team that's actually focused solely on the, the news industry and actually isn't associated with any... Google products uh, per se, and so our role is really to be the interface between the uh, the news industry and Google, and between Google and the news industry. Um, and what we try to do is work on the the, the collaborations that will uh, help the news industry overall. And just what are the sort of things that that involves, like Google AMP, things like that? Is that right? Yeah. So I think the major uh, thing that we've done is uh, called the Digital News Initiative, which is our framework for engagement with the news industry. Um, and it has what we call three pillars to it, uh, product development, training and research, and innovation. And uh, so you mentioned AMP, so um, product development. It's all really about actually changing the culture of Google a bit, um, or not a bit, quite a lot, by uh, making it much more open to uh, discussion, dialogue, and collaboration about the uh, product development areas that are useful uh, and helpful for the news industry. And that's where AMP came from, um, it was uh, through a dialogue that we had through the DNI working group, where we were saying, "Well, what are the challenges the news industry are, are facing, and, and you know, let's figure out ways that we can collaborate." And with AMP in particular, what they said was, um, they said, um, you know, and it's about eighteen months, two years ago now, and they said, "Look, we're getting inundated with all these platforms coming to us uh, and saying." Give us access to your content in this format with this, these business terms, you know, from Facebook Instant Articles to, you know, Snapchat Discover to, you know, Twitter Moments to even Google Play Newsstand, right? Um, and they said, it's confusing. Can you help? And so our engineers looked at that, and they um, actually diagnosed the problem was that the mobile web was too slow. Mm -hmm. And once they figured that out, they said, well, this is not a problem that Google can solve. This is an ecosystem and industry issue. And... That's why they helped develop AMP as an open source initiative to try and solve that that problem to allow publishers to you know focus on content to do the tech in a very light uh, light effort way that's available for all kinds of platforms uh, and that's where AMP came from. But we've done other, done other stuff in training and research and innovation, which I'll, I'm happy to touch on if you if you want me to. Yeah, and, and just briefly, AMP so serve the uh, article within the within Google 
and there's a revenue share, that's right, on the advertising, or how does it work? Would you... No, no, it actually, uh, completely not. So AMP is just a form of HTML. So it's another way of designing your web page, which means that the publisher is 100% in control. And therefore, because of that definition, the publisher is 100% in control of all the, the revenues, but also the analytics and everything. So it is a, it's a form of HTML that's designed to make it lightning fast for the user and keep the publisher completely in control as well. Uh, and so, so from a Google perspective, there's no revenue share or anything because it is simply the publisher's web page. So for Google, why are news publishers important to you? Why do you uh, invest a lot of effort, seemingly, in uh, engaging with them? So I think there's um, a, a number of different reasons for that. Uh, some are almost uh, uh, values-based reasons. So you know, it sounds a bit cheesy, but you know, Google is a company that has values, and you know, you know, we believe that uh, an, an informed citizen makes for a better society, and that access to information is important. That's part of our mission, uh, and the news industry is a core part of that uh, information there. We're also cognizant that you know our users are very interested in news, and we want to you know one of our one of the things that we try to do is provide them uh, with the highest quality information in, in our results as we can. Um, and we also think that we're very aligned, uh, sort of philosophically, in terms of things like uh, the open web and access to information. As I said, so overall, we think we're quite aligned, and that's why we spend quite a lot of uh, uh, effort in you know collaborating with the news industry. So I think you've noticed our campaign we're doing. Mm-hmm. Apologies for the uh, <laughs> <laughs> bluntness of the title, but, you know, stop Facebook and Google destroying journalism. What, what's your sort of thoughts about that or your reaction to how you saw that? Uh, yeah, well, you can imagine it was slightly disappointing since <laughs> I, I think that Google does help yeah. With, yeah. Uh, with, with journalism. But I think actually it uh, highlights a point that, um, honestly, I think that Google is very misunderstood and its role in the news ecosystem is misunderstood. And again, to be completely direct with you, I think that uh, you know, Google shoulders a lot of the blame on that, which is for many, many years, I don't think we communicated very well or at all. We took a very engineering approach mm-hmm. to uh, a lot of the things that we did with the news industry. Um, and I think we have been trying to change that, and DNI is a significant step change in how we are engaging with the news ecosystem. And I genuinely uh, believe that Google is a positive part of the ecosystem, and we have a role to play. And what we're trying to do through DNI is we're trying to have the dialogue to see where you know how can we do this in the best way, because at its heart, Google is an engineering company. And, you know, it is not a news company, and we do have people from the news industry like myself and other people who are, you know, even way more experienced than me, um, but at its, at its core, it's an engineering company. So I think the best things come when news people and engineers and product people have that dialogue about what's, what's really good for the news ecosystem, and things like AMP and the YouTube player for publishers and other things that come as a result of that dialogue. So I think I'll sort of... Our point, I guess, is a, is a big point, and it's a difficult one to solve, but it's, um, if you look at the, the, the advertising revenue of 2016, uh, the UK, 10 billion spent on uh, display advertising. We reckon about half of that went to Google. May, correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe more than half, I don't know, but something like that. Is, you know, um, whereas all the national regional newspaper publishers combined, if you look at their online advertising, maybe they're getting 5% of that, so maybe 500 million, that's according to the IAB figures. So I guess that's what we're driving at. I mean, what's your response to those who would say 
that Google and, and others who, who to a certain extent profit from that content aren't sharing enough of the revenue with the with the people that are investing in creating it. So again, I think this goes back to the being misunderstood, <laughs> and I don't want to sound like a you know a, a, a teenager on that, mm. but I think it's important to look at the, the the actual data how we operate, and I think you know you're you made the the point that when you look at UK display advertising. And I think it's very important to understand the role that we play in the display advertising market. You know, we are a supplier in the uh, an ad tech supplier in the in in the display market. So if you are a publisher, you can use our tools, whether it's uh, tools like uh, DoubleClick for uh, ad serving, mm-hmm. or uh, other tools that we have in terms of on the supply side as well. But we are a supplier like many others. So the reality of that, and as with all our ad tech platforms, is that we we only make money when publishers make money, right? Because we're a supplier and we take a revenue share, and the vast majority of the revenue, you know, uh, normally in excess of seventy percent goes to the publisher because we're a supplier there. So understanding Google's role in the display um, business is really important if we're going to have a discussion about the overall ecosystem. You know, I think that is different for different tech companies and we get lumped in with some of the other larger tech companies as well. But I think again to, to, to look at this uh, in, in the appropriate way you need to understand our role in the ecosystem and when in the display advertising market we are a supplier um, and therefore we only make money when publishers make money. So a lot of the, 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 the statistics that you've seen have conflated both search and display and also not taken in, into account the revenue shares. Right? Yeah. So, I think I'd be right in saying that the vast majority of the five billion or whatever billion you make in the UK is um, search. Correct. Um, yeah, I guess it's another argument. But I guess that is that search advertising is perhaps the sort of advertising that would have been spent ten years ago classified advertising in newspapers. Potentially, but I also think it's, it goes beyond that because actually if you look at, at, at search advertising, um, a lot of what we have found is it comes from advertisers that never advertised before at all, mm-hmm. at all actually, and that's, that's an, I think an important evolution of, the, uh, of, of that market. I also think there are a lot of things that the we cost do. threshold is a lot lower, I guess, isn't it? If you're not, if you're not taking that big page, you're taking... That's right, and you also only pay on on the click, yeah. right? As well, so there is a there is a direct ability to uh, to understand the the ROI there as well. And I think that what I would say there is that um, you know that's important to understand that part of it. But also, I think it goes beyond that in terms of there are other things that we we work with local publishers with uh, the reselling of AdWords so that they can think of a, a, a overall campaigns that they can run. Um, uh, with their with their sales teams and other things that we do, but again, I see that as being you know collaborations that we do with the with the publishing industry. So one of the things we've been uh, covering a lot recently is um, we're called ripping culture, I and I, I don't know if you use that I'm familiar with that expression, but basically, certain publishers uh, are kind of gaming Google and um, pretty much basing their business model around ripping stories from other websites, adding a little bit of extra, rewording it, adding a bit of background, and kind of um, a, a sort of production line approach to journalism, if you like. And it just, I wonder whether uh, that's, to a certain extent, that's Google's fault, because the way its algorithms not discriminate enough between uh, or rewarding the originator of the content versus the 10 people who rip off that content and everyone who copies it in a kind of 
circle. Yeah, I think I think the the maybe uh, the euphemistic term for ripping is also derivative content. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, and I think it's a you know it's an issue that we, we we look at and take very seriously. I think the challenge is, if we're being completely direct, is um, that the news ecosystem overall has always operated in a derivative content way, yeah. right? Yeah. And where do you draw the line between someone ripping something off and someone building on a story, right? Yeah. And I think about this, you know, I think about the. the the, the best example that I can think of in the UK, it's a little dated now, um, but probably was MPs' expenses, mm-hmm. right? You know, the Telegraph paid a bunch of money, mm-hmm. and they got that tranche of stuff, and they started releasing the stories, and everybody followed up on it. And actually, if you looked at some of the uh, coverage, I think you could probably say, yes, it was ripping, but also there was some of the coverage that I would say, actually, there was a lot of added-on stuff there, mm-hmm. right? I, I would... You know, I, I remember The Guardian did a really interesting thing where you could actually search that database, right, to actually explore the content themselves, you know, get the users to, to find the stories because there was actually so much data there. But I think going back to your point, again, something I said earlier, you know, what we want to do is we want to deliver the quality results for publishers. And the reality is there are a lot of people out there who try to game Google all the time. Forget the news industry, but that's just a constant thing. We are constantly... Uh, the teams are constantly uh, trying to deliver the best results, which is, you know, fighting the gamers. And it's a battle that goes on and on and on. And I think we've made significant movements in that way that we will continue to improve, but it's going to be an ongoing battle. Mm-hmm. So what's the... I mean, I sort of said, you know, simplistically maybe, but if you look at the billions that Google makes versus the kind of small amount that the news industry makes... You know, it's not great, but what, what, what would you say the big, the biggest things that Google does which are positives for uh, news publishers? So I think it, if you look at different elements of what news publishers do, right? I think uh, if you look at on the editorial side and content creation, I think things like Google Search and Google Maps give an amazing access for storytelling tools. And you know, part of uh, part of DNI is uh, is the training and research pillar. And we have teams that go out and train journalists on all the Google tools that you can use to uh, as a working journalist. Uh, and I think that's really, really, really helpful for uh, journalists in the newsroom. I think there are uh, a lot of our ad tech tools that on the commercial side can make things, uh, you know, uh, excuse me, can, can uh, help on the revenue side. And again, like I said, we are a supplier in that, so there are other supply, you know, other suppliers are available. To use an old BBC joke, since I'm ex-BBC, mm-hmm. um, but I also think there are other interesting elements that you see um, growing as well. So if you look at something like Google Cloud, right? There's two elements that I would say within the Google Cloud that the publishers have been looking at that they talk to me about. One is the Google Cloud element that is all the kind of Google tools like Gmail and all, and and you know the Google Docs and things like that, and how they use that for productivity. But they're also, you're able to use Google Cloud um, with access to kind of machine learning and using that. And there are things like BigQuery where people are taking data sets and information and running information through that, sometimes for editorial reasons, sometimes actually for business reasons. To, to you know, um, So I think that's very interesting. Um, I haven't even touched on the video side and YouTube, but I think there are a lot of things. And actually, to be honest with you, that's why it can be quite confusing from a publisher side. Um, and we've, we've been trying to be, trying to become a little bit more, more, more coherent on that. 
Uh, and you know we've just developed relatively recently a website where you can look in, at these different areas and the different things that publishers do. Um, you know, I can uh, I can plug that if you want. Please do. <laughs> um, it's there's, I think the short code is g.co, uh, and it's uh, uh, Google for News Partners. I think again we probably had the um, keep having these uh, these discussions on branding. So, um, but that's that's one site where we try to bring all the things together, so you can look at it in in uh, in different ways. You're a publisher, you're a press set reader. What do you what do you do if you want to? work Google a bit more closely, pick up the phone, probably not to you, but who, who, who's the person who can they get in touch? Well, I think most publishers actually have uh, their contacts with us in, in different ways. As I said, we're kind of a large company, there's different ways. Uh, but if publishers are interested, they literally can drop me an email. I mean, madav at google.com, M-A-D-H-A-V, my first name at google.com. Because, uh, you know, uh, with the, such a large company like Google, sometimes it's hard to find the right people. And so a lot of my role and my team's role, and I have people in, uh, in, in a number of countries, is that we play what I call almost air traffic controller, which is you're interested in this, right? You know, if you're, you know, if you're interested in cloud, I'm not the expert in cloud, but I can tell you the person who is, right? So you tell me what your issues are, and I can, uh, I can direct you in the right way. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. So the, um, over the summer, we, we take a close look at the number of newspapers opening and closing. Over the summer in the UK, 18 local newspapers closed. Um, it looks to me like the pace at which local newspapers are closing is is getting quicker now over the last year especially as the advertising models come under a lot of stress and we would argue that you know whether it's your fault or not the fact of the matter is that the um, ads the new ad money is going to Facebook and Google it's not people aren't spending that money with local newspapers and it's a big problem for them is that something I mean set aside who's to, who's to blame for it what's the um, is it something you're concerned about um, the, the fact that the local news, because it's where stories originate, isn't it? And I mean, is it something you're concerned about? And Absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, we're very conscious that, that we operate within, you know, uh, an, an information ecosystem. And local is a very important part of that. And, you know, the the travails of the local news industry are, are very troubling overall for lots of different reasons. Um I think again, it's important to diagnose some of the the issues there, and there are there's a number of different reasons, and absolutely revenue is one of those issues. But so also is cost, right? And you know, we haven't even talked about the pension stuff. Um, you know, in some of the the re, you know, uh, I, I read that article, but I've been you know been following the the, the local news industry issue for a while, um, and and again, I think people have diagnosed. You know, there's a different set. There's a number of different causes there, and a number of different solutions. So, if you look at, you know, there are uh, successful and growing uh, local news news organizations. You know, and people are buying them as well. 
right? I was interested to see that there was a Norwegian billionaire who's investing more in Johnson Press, right? So, you know, if this is a market that um, uh, that is, you know, d- deadly and dying, billionaires don't get to be billionaires without being pretty smart. Yeah. So um, I, I think it is definitely challenged, but I think that there are uh, hopefully enough signs that there are ways to experiment and iterate and see what we can do to, uh, to, to help the overall ecosystem. Is it um, local news, helping the local news industry innovate and survive, hopefully, is that kind of a priority for Google when it comes to your news partnership stuff? Yeah, we have, we have quite a lot of interest in, uh, in the local news side from, uh, as part of the, the DNI, which is, as I said, our framework for engagement with the news industry. Um, and actually, I was talking with uh, a local news publisher recently, and we were, we were talking about local overall. I was trying to learn a bit more. And I, I, um, I said to him, I said, um, my theory is that the local news industry in a country is, often gets lumped in with the national news industry, but actually it probably has more in common with the local news industry in another country than it does with a national the national in its own country. And I said, that's my theory. Is that true? And he said, yes, it is. Um, and, and actually, we started a discussion about how do we get a dialogue going with local news publishers across countries so that they can share best practice. Um, and so there, he has some ideas on his own that he just wants to go off and run with. And he, it was almost, uh, he said he wants to take the DNI concept like like TED and TEDx and come up with a DNIX concept and, and do something with local. So we'll see how we can support him on that. Digital News Initiative, just so people who don't know, it's 150 million euros in grants, isn't it, over three years? And we're coming into the third year now, aren't we? Is that right? So it, uh, the Digital News Initiative, DNI, uh, sorry for using all the TLAs, the three-letter acronyms, um, is our framework for engagement, as I said. It's got three pillars to it, and the innovation pillar is the one you're talking about, about the fund. Yeah. Uh, so we're going into the third year. We um, Very soon we will be announcing round four of the uh, um, of the fund, so I guess it's the second year since we're doing two a year for announcing round four. So it's the end of the second year, um, and that will be announced very soon. We've uh, stated on our website that for round four, that we would like to have uh, projects in the medium and large tracks to focus on monetization, because actually, in all the dialogue that we've had, particularly with the DNI Fund Council, which is the fund. Excuse me. The fund element is run separately from uh, from Google, and we have an independent council that make the decisions. But the council and other members in, in uh, and participants in DNI have been saying to us that the biggest challenge, as you've rightly pointed out, actually through you know I think the origin of your campaign is about the biggest problem facing the news industry, which is monetization. Yeah. And so what we want to do with round four of the fund is to try and get some of the creativity and energy within the news ecosystem to focus on the, mo- the biggest problem, which is mon- we are told is monetization. Um, and more information will be available on our, our website uh, in, in the next week or so about the uh, round four of the fund. And again, small plug, that's digitalnewsinitiative.com. Yeah, no, well, useful, useful info. Um, so you're, you're across um, not just UK, Europe, um, Middle East, Africa? Yeah, Asia as well. No, just no. What, so what, what do you um, do? You find do you find there's similar issues to the ones we've got in the UK across your patch? 
Um, actually, I find um, I'm, I'm relatively familiar with some of the global side, and I work with my global yeah. counterparts. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a lot of variation, a lot of variation, both within Europe um, and also globally. Um, and if I had to generalize, and you know, I'm Indian, I also grew up in Indonesia, so I, you know, uh, if I look at Asia, for example, um, Asia is really interesting to me uh, for a number of reasons. The most interesting one for me is just their attitude to digital is they're almost all in on it. So they are very forward-looking, they are very experimental, they're doing a lot of uh, different things, which I think is very interesting, and you see a the kind of attitude and cultural shift um, is very different. I mean, I, uh, I heard a, a number of years ago, I heard a Thai media magnate talk about, he ran a... a a very successful magazine, and it made uh, was making a lot of money in print. And he said, "I'm shutting down the print operations in within probably two to three years." And everyone said to him, "But, but you're making money. Why are you doing that?" And he goes, "Well, because I know that everything's going to go digital, and I what I want to do is I want to maximize my ability to do that." And it was just such a brave and forward forward thinking thing that that attitude I thought was was very refreshing, right? I think if you look in the in the U.S., for example, you see the growth of a lot of digital-only uh, publications that are really high quality. If you look at things like Quartz and Vox, who I particularly like, I think that's good. But I, coming back to you know my patch, there's an enormous amount of diversity, right? Um, and I think one of the interesting things that we sort of accidentally created through DNI by being a European initiative is we've created a European community that are having a lot of dialogue. We had an, um, an event in July about the third pillar of DNI, the fund, where we had uh, a number of recipients of the fund come and ex- you know, showcase what they were doing, explaining what they were doing. And it was great to see the collaboration and the, the kind of cross-fertilization. And there was a fascinating talk I went to about um, uh, collaboration between uh, news companies. And there was one in Portugal and one in Belgium. And the Belgian one was actually local publishers, if I, if I recall correctly. Um, and what really touched me was they said, look, you know, we often talk to each other, but we really probably wouldn't have collaborated in this way if it hadn't been for DNI. And I think that that is a, a good thing. And somebody sent me a, a video, it was in Dutch, um, but uh, of the CEO of Media House, which is a, a publisher in Belgium, talking about what they've been doing through DNI as well. And he was almost like, we should have created it ourselves. And that, you know, I, my view is. If, if we are experimenting and iterating and stimulating, that's great. What, what are the, uh, do you have examples of um, things outside the UK that you've seen that are working well? So I think there are a lot, the difficulty of this is even though we're kind of 18 months into the fund element of it, um, products take a while to get up and running, right? So there were a lot of interesting examples, but they're still at early stages. But I think there's some very interesting kind of conceptual ones. Uh, the one, you know, I mentioned the, the one in, uh, in collaboration. The one I was interested in in Portugal is the publishers are getting together and creating a single uh, sign-on login system, right? So that they actually, you're able to sign in once and then they're able to, uh, to know more about their users in a, in a, in a collective manner, which I, I think is really interesting. I thought I, the other thing that I, I noted from the fund uh, pillar of, of DNI, which I thought was really intriguing, is that 
in the first two rounds of the fund, if I recall correctly, there was about a dozen, if not more, fact-checking initiatives. And this is before fake news was even a term. And what I found really interesting about that is I felt like the ideas are there in the ecosystem and we were stimulating that, but then when fake news became the thing and fact-checking became a thing, actually we had been supporting that already um, because the I think the ecosystem understood that beforehand, but it needs some stimulus to try and keep developing and keep it going. The, one of the um, criticisms people sometimes make to me is that um, Google's not very helpful if you're uh, trying to run a paywall model, so you're more, more um, helpful if it's uh, if you free news access model, which I guess is would make sense, because Google's a free service, basically, isn't it? Is that fair enough? And, um, you know, I mean, I guess th- th- there's a good chance, isn't there, if the advertising uh, continues to dry up at the rate it has, that most serious publishers are going to have to move to a paywall model, aren't they? Well, I think we we are business model agnostic, um, and I think the role, again, goes back to the role that we play. I think with a, with a paywall publisher, we play that role of sampling, right? And, you know, uh, that's a really important thing, as any paywall publishers, and I've had discussions with a number of them, right, um, you know, they think about the concept of the funnel, right, and what they do is they want to get their content to as broad an audience as possible to get them through the funnel to get to people to pay, right? We always, sometimes you always think about a paywall publisher as just about the people that are paying, but actually you need to think about the top of the funnel. And so Google p- plays that role in, in terms of, of that sampling, and there's, there's definitely much more that we, can, uh, that, that we can do there. And we're having, you know, again, through, through DNI, we're having a dialogue about some of the things that we can do to, to help and enable that more. But I, but I think you're right. I mean, I think that the, the future of new as business models, as I see it, and this, this is my, obser- my personal observations rather than anything else, is that people need multiple revenue streams, right? Um, and I would say from the ones that I've seen, that goes beyond just whether it's advertising and pay, but there's things like, and you, you, I think you're doing it yourself, you're doing events yeah, yeah. and other things like that. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, it is a, it's a multi-revenue uh, um, approach. Yeah. And I guess, so, I mean, like a lot, if you're, if you're a news publisher with a, with a, with a website, you, you're, you're going to get about a third of your traffic probably from Google, third from Facebook, from direct, I think maybe if you've got, if you've got an okay mix. Um, what are the sort of things, nuts and bolts things, that uh, maybe a small publisher is struggling a little bit can do to increase their visibility to improve that third that they get from Google? Because it's such a massively important part of the mix, isn't it, in terms of your discoverability? Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny because you know Google never talks about SEO, search engine optimization. And I'm not a technical person at all, but when people have asked me these questions, what sometimes I found it's amazing what's publicly available that people don't know about. Yeah. And I have to confess my own ignorance. When I was, you know, when I was at the BBC, I used to complain about stuff, and yeah. you know, uh, yeah. And someone said, and the, the Google person said, "Well, are you, you know, are you, have you submitted a sitemap to Google News?" And of course, I was, I didn't even know what that meant, and I was like, "I'm sure we have. It's ridiculous." Blah blah blah. <laughs> I went back and I asked our technical team, I said, have we submitted a sitemap to Google News? And they were like, oh, no. Right. So, um, you know, uh, without sounding ridiculous, you can Google this issue. But I also think that um, what, I, what I would suggest, particularly for news publishers, is um, we have something called the, uh, the, the Publisher Center 
for Google News. Um, and that's where you can go in, can submit a site map, but you can find out all the kind of best practice things that you sh- should be doing to maximize your exposure, particularly within, within Google News, things like editor's picks, and you can decide what you want and what you don't want. And this is an area where we do complete control from a Google News perspective. And, of course, Google Search has uh, the Webmaster Tools area, which is, which is the equivalent. But it is still amazing to me how much is kind of publicly available that people don't really exploit as much as they should. And there's insights for search as well, isn't there? So you can look at what people are searching for can't you, in, your, in your area or in your, mm-hmm. or in your, in your patch. Yeah, and, and I'm, a, you know, I'm also a big fan of, of, of Google Trends. And again, this goes back to the feedback. I don't know if you've used Google Trends, but the, the product used to be showing how you can see in, in countries the, the, what people are searching for. And the feedback we got from publishers was, this is great, but the product at the time was 24 hours old, right? Mm-hmm. So you could find out what people were searching for yesterday. Mm-hmm. And the news publishers were like, this is useless. Yeah. And so, you know, we worked with the product team, and now it's, you know, uh, it's, it's pretty much live. And again, that is a really useful tool that journalists and, and others use, uh, use right now. And we, we developed it that way based on, on, on feedback. So looking down the... Um track a little bit, it's difficult to look into the future, but um, um, as far as Google's strategy for the future is concerned, do you, do you think um, you can see Google doing more to help the press, doing more to help the regional press in particular, their struggles, you know, is that something that's on, on, the, on the agenda? Yeah, definitely, I mean, I think local, uh, you know, I think, yes, we are definitely going to be doing more, I think, you know, as I said, we've got an existing framework with DNI, which we will continue to, to, to work with on the product side, on the training and research side, and as I said, We've got three more rounds of the fund to come up. Um, but in terms of the specific kind of topic areas, I think you're absolutely right that local is an important one, and we're, we're looking at that uh, a, a lot, talking with local publishers. As I said, hopefully we're also stimulating local publishers to talk amongst themselves. Um, but we definitely do want to continue uh, on the path that we're on and do more. And we also do want to continue with the dialogue because we need the feedback, right, you know, uh, it's the feedback that helps create the really interesting things, right? You know, it was the feedback that helped create AMP, and the, it was the feedback about kind of complexity of video that helped create the YouTube Player for Publishers program, you know, uh, and and other things like that. So we definitely want to continue with that feedback. We really appreciate um, DNI. We appreciate the DNI working group that are helping us with that as well. Um, but we want to continue on this track. Look, f- final question for you. Thanks for your time. Um, People say to me that they meet um, the Google representatives, local people like yourself, and uh, great, really helpful. Um, you know, all power to you. But they but they worry that the um, you get higher up the company, it's essentially a digital giant that's in a battle for eyeballs with Amazon, Facebook, um, and Apple, and uh, you know that they fear that the news industry is kind of could be collateral damage in, in, in what is really, you, you know, we're kind of, we're small fry really compared to what the real purpose of the, co- of the, co- of the company is. I mean, um, and you say it's a company of morals, but do you think people high up the companies you go up there uh, are bothered about this stuff or are they more worried about, you know, the bottom line and basically uh, that, that uh, share of the, uh, of the empire of the, the work? No, they're very concerned about the news industry at the highest levels. And that's, that was that point about the values because... Google's a company that, like I said, has values, and those values are shared throughout the company and actually come from the top. Mm-hmm. 
And if you look at, at DNI, DNI was sponsored by Sundar, our CEO, right? You know, the announcements that you've seen have come from him. Um, and and he and his senior team are thoroughly involved in everything that we're doing. Actually, we report into to, to you know we report progress back to them. So, you know the interest in uh, uh, the news industry is at the highest levels of Google. Okay, good to hear. Look, thanks very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.